Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Hi, this is Pastor Dale O'Shills of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I want to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program titled Practical Living right here on WAVA every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I also would encourage you to join us for one of our weekend worship services. All the information about services and locations can be found at our website at church-redeemer.org. That's church-redeemer.org. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. As I said, we're wrapping up our series next weekend on It's Time to Change Your Mind. And tonight I want to talk to you about eliminating the lies in your life. We've been looking at the whole idea of how to change your mind. What does the Bible say about our thought process? And you you and I have been looking at Proverbs 4.23. Why don't we read it again together loud and loudly? It's our theme verse for this series. Perhaps you've memorized it by now. This is from the New Century Version. Read with me aloud and loudly. Here we go. Be careful what you think because your thoughts do what? Run your life. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Whatever's running your life, you need to pay attention to because it's setting the direction of everything that you do. How you think, the Bible says, really is setting the course of your life. Your brain is the hardware of your mental capacity, but your thinking is the software. It actually operates what you do in life, the decisions that you make. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, the Apostle Paul told us the kind of thinking that we need to have. He described it clearly. He said, finally, brothers and sisters, he gives us a checklist, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, note what it says here, think about such things. So he gives us eight things to think about, eight filters, we might say, that we're to put through our minds as we make choices about our thinking. In this series so far, we've talked about adjusting your perspectives, how valuable it is to make adjustments to the perspectives that you have. That's a part of your thinking. We talked about our expectations, how to adjust our expectations of God, to have hope in God, to believe that He wants to do something very real in your life. We talked about our attitudes, the importance of attitudes. We talked last weekend or weekend before last, was it last weekend? I believe it was. We talked about commitments. Was that last weekend? We talked, it's been a long week for me, so it's been hard to remember quite where we were last week. But commitments we talked about last weekend. And today I'm talking about eliminating the lies. So if you take the first lesson, of all those words that I've just given you, you come up with peace. Perspective, expectations, attitudes, commitments, and eliminating the lies from your life. Anybody want to live in peace? I do. Okay. You'll never live in peace unless you learn to think the right way. Your life will always be disturbed unless you learn to think the right way. This is what produces peace. And part of experiencing this peace that God wants you to experience 
is to eliminate some things from your life, to eliminate some things that are getting you in trouble in your mind. I want to share with you four things tonight that will help us along this particular journey. The first thing that you and I need to do is a very important step to take is to be aware of the origins of your thought patterns. Your thoughts don't just show up in your life. They have origins. They come from somewhere. I've told you before that uh, every 24 hours, you're having somewhere between 50 and 70,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot of thoughts. That's about 2,100 to 3,300 thoughts every hour if you include all 24 hours. And of course, some of that hours, uh, seven or eight, six to eight of them hours, you're sleeping. And even though your brain is active, you're not actively engaging in, in, in your personal thinking during that time. So actually, your active daily life even has more thinking than, than, than we're, we're speaking of here. And so there's a lot of thoughts going on in your mind. And some of these thoughts are, are not particular, particularly noticeable or they're not troublesome. They're just thoughts. You have stuff that flies through your head from time to time and they really mean nothing. They're just a part of living everyday life. You have a thought about this. Isn't that pretty? Or, wow, what's going on here? These kind of thoughts happen during, during the day. And these kind of thoughts are not worthy of our attention, but there are some think, thoughts that you think that are worthy of your attention. Any thoughts that are affecting your key decisions or affecting your emotions or affecting your interactions, uh, are they negative or destructive in nature, you need to pay attention to where those are coming from. Some you don't need to worry about, but there are some that you need to pay attention. Where are these thoughts coming from? And these thoughts are what I would call here thought patterns. Say that with me. Not just a thought that you have, but a pattern of thinking. It's different. I'll show you in just a moment an example of this in the Bible. Your thought patterns, we might also use another word for this, would include what we might call your mindset. Every person here, you already have certain ruts that run in your mind. You have mindsets. I told you before that as you think about certain things over a period of time, then you create certain patterns in your brain, certain actual physical ruts that develop in your thinking, and the firing of those neurotransmitters happen, and as what's been said, what fires together, what uh, begins to link together in your mind, and so you have these thought patterns that begin to be very automatic, and you begin to develop a mindset. You've heard it said before, oh, that person has a negative mindset, or that person has a positive mindset. Uh, We could go on and on about various mindsets, but they're very real, and you need to know where they come from. Let's look at an example of mindset in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 25, uh, we'll look at uh, some individuals that had varying mindsets. This is the story of Jesus talking about the, the talents being given to three different men. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So here are some guys that receive something from their their overseer. One guy gets five bags of gold, the other gets two, and the other gets one. And basically the master, the employer says, I'm going away on a journey. Do something with what I gave you according to your ability. And then he left and went away. The man who'd received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Let's stop there for a moment. Would you agree that if the master, if your employer, if someone gives you 
five bags of gold or two bags of gold, and they say, do something with this, and they don't really tell you what to do with it, but the implication is you're supposed to invest it and do something that makes more money for the, uh, for the employer, then you have to have some kind of mindset in you to do that effectively, right? And both of these first two men, the man who received five bags of gold and the man who received two bags of gold, they had the right mindset. Say it with me, the right mindset. Their mindset was, let's go at once and get busy doing something because we want to take what we've been given and we want to multiply it. We're going to do something. We have a belief that we can make this thing better. We believe that we can do something with what we've been given. You know, there are a lot of people in the world that have tremendous blessings, but they never do anything with them. They never turn their life in any positive direction. They have great opportunities, but they never really use their opportunities. Why? Because they have the wrong mindset. But these two men had the right right mindset. Let's take a look at the next guy, though. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and did what? Everybody say wrong mindset. This man didn't get it. He took what was given to him, and instead of being able to invest, he was afraid, as we'll see in just a moment, and he hid. See, that whole idea of hiding represents the fear that was in this man's life. It's very vital to understand this. Take a look now at the next verse, and verses in chapter 25, verses 24 and 25. Then the man who received one bag of gold, this is when the master finally comes back. Master, he said, I knew. Notice that I knew. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was, everybody say wrong mindset. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Here's the thing that I want you to see. The the master was the same master for all three men, correct? True? Not a different master. The first two never said anything about the guy being a hard man, did did they? They didn't have that perspective of him at all. But somehow in the mind of this third guy, he viewed his employer from a negative perspective. And so out of that negative mindset, he began to generate or the origins of fear happened inside of him. And it caused him to hold back his development, to hold back the potential of his life. He said, I knew. He didn't really know. He thought. He didn't know that for a fact. The other two guys were blessed by the master. He was evidently a good guy because when he comes back, he praises them for what they'd done and gives them a reward for what they'd done. So this third man had a thought. He had a perspective. He had a mindset of limitations, a mindset of risk aversion, a mindset of fear in his life, and it rendered him really useless to the master and non-productive in his life. Every one of us have predominant mindsets. Can I ask you, what is the predominant mindset of your life? Are you more like the first two men or are you more like the third man? Where do our mindsets come from? They come from the events that happen in our life. They come from the experiences that we go through in life. They come from the exposures that we have to certain things in life. They come from our educational background and experiences that we've had there. It comes from the people around us. It comes from the stuff that you watch on television and that you look at on the Internet. It comes from all of these sources. I'll tell you somewhere else it comes from. It comes from the devil himself because the devil wants to build a mindset in you that will destroy and hinder your life from being everything that it needs to be. The Bible is very clear Jesus himself said the thief comes to steal and to kill 
and destroy. So we have an origin. Our mindsets come from somewhere. What is your mindset? Your predominant mindset as you approach life and where did it come from? What are the roots of those kinds of thinking that are negative in your life? Let's talk now now, about the second point. The second thing is we have to understand the consequences of our thought patterns. Was there a consequence in the third man's life? I challenge you this weekend to go back home and read the rest of that story in Matthew chapter 25. Because to the first two men that came back and one man had five and he made it ten, the other had two and he made it four, and, and they, the, 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 the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Uh, you've been given much and you've multiplied it. I'm going to bless you with much more. That's a paraphrase of what's said there. But they're blessed in their experience because of the right mindset. But the third man, go and read about it. In fact, the, the master says, you wicked, lazy servant. And he took away from him the very gift that he had. There were consequences. And the same is true in your life as well. You are paying a price if you have a bad mindset. There's something happening in your life that doesn't need to happen in your life if, you're, if you have the wrong thought pattern going on inside of you. Look at what Romans 8 verse 6. We've looked at this before. I'm going to bring it back to your attention again. The mind, what? The mind governed by the flesh. If the flesh is in control of your mind, what's going to happen is death. But the same wording, but the mind governed by the Spirit, what is it? Life and peace. Do you see that your mind matters? What your mind is set on matters. There are consequences that go along with our thinking. Let's go now to the third point today. You and I need to learn how to examine our thought processes and our thought patterns. Examine, that's a key word. You got to check out your thinking. We're not very good as human beings and certainly not as Christian believers many times at, at really checking our thinking. To really ask the question, is what I'm thinking really true or is what I'm thinking false? Is what I'm thinking accurate or inaccurate? It's what I'm thinking, is it appropriate or is it inappropriate? We could go on and on with these, these back and forth, but the whole idea is for you to know whether, they, whether your thoughts are one or the other, what do you have to do? What do you have to do? You have to examine them. If you don't examine your thinking, you'll just think it and think that it is true when it is not necessarily true and may very well be false. It could be inaccurate in the way that you're thinking, but you have to pay attention. You have to examine your thinking. The way I like to say it is you have to think about your thinking because behind every unholy or unhealthy or unwholesome thought pattern is one big thing, one thing, and that's a big L-I-E. That's the kind of thinking that will get you in trouble, thinking that is based upon things that are not even true. And I'll just say this, don't believe everything you think. I told you recently in one of our messages, it may have been last week, don't believe everything you feel. I'm going to tell you this week, don't believe everything you think. Have your, have your thoughts ever lied to you? Have your thoughts ever told you that person didn't like you when you found out they didn't even really know you? Okay. 
Have your thoughts told you all kind of things before that you, you bought into and you believed and you accepted as being true, only later to find out that those thoughts were not true at all? There were things that you'd built up inside of your own head and they'd been troubling you or creating all kind of agony in your life because you were thinking something, you had established something as true when it was not even true. So thoughts impact you when you believe them. That's how they're going to impact your life. And if you're going to believe a thought, it only makes sense to examine it, right? Because if you're not believing that which is true and accurate, then you're building your life on something that is inaccurate. Let me give you a few examples of the way that we think inaccurately at times. These are what I would call untrue thought patterns. Sometimes we, our thinking really is put in the form of superlatives. We think, this always happens to me. Ever thought that way before? That person never speaks to me. These superlatives are always and never. You always do that. You know, the truth of the matter is, no, they don't. When you begin to use superlatives, what you're thinking is you're putting yourself in a no-win situation. Sometimes our thoughts are, 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 are as though we can read somebody else's mind. I know what you're thinking. No, you don't. How do you know what I'm thinking, okay? You ever said that to someone? I know what you're thinking. I can tell exactly what you're thinking because you now suddenly have become an incredible mind reader, okay? In your head, you start thinking, I know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. But we begin to think in these terms, and we get this hopeless kind of uh, foreboding in our mind. Oftentimes, we, we have thoughts that are disqualifying and discounting us. I can never do that kind of thing. I would never be, be able to accomplish this. These are the kind of thoughts that get inside of us, and we, we validate them as though they're true when they're not true at all. Do you know that the downfall of the world, going all the way back to the book of Genesis, came as a result of two people that believed a lie. The whole downfall of humanity goes all the way back to the book of Genesis where two people, Adam and Eve, the first created beings of God, they fell because they believed a lie. They didn't sin first. They believed a lie that led them to sin. It was a lie that led them to go and eat of the tree that God had told them not to eat of. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. We see this in operation. Now the serpent, and of course, who do we know the serpent was? The devil, Satan. Now the serpent was more crafty, deceiving, subtle, skilled in deceit. This is from the Amplified Version. Than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent that is Satan said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said? What is he introducing here? He's introducing a doubting of God. He's introducing the idea that maybe God really didn't say this after all. Maybe what you believed about God really isn't true. Can it really be that God has said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? So there's an introduction of doubt. There's an introduction of questioning God. There's a subtle lie being planted that God somehow has not said what he really did say. Take a look at what happens next. Here's what we see in verses 4 and 5. But the serpent said to the woman, by the way, the biggest problem that started everything was listening to the serpent, right? 
And we all get in trouble when we listen to the adversary. The adversary will lead you down all kind of paths, and he loves to get in your head and tell you stuff that's not true, to lead you away from God, to break your love toward other people, to do all kinds of things. It's a serpent when we start listening to him that will get us into trouble. But the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. For God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open. That is, you will have greater awareness, and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. Do you see what's happening here in this very story? There's a lie that's being propagated. How many lies about God? How many lies about yourself? How many lies about other people? How many lies about life have you accepted as true when they're really false and you're suffering a mindset because of it? And it's robbing you from everything that God has in store for you. Let's go back now to our fourth point and our final point where we'll spend most of our time today. And that's this. You and I need to make a decision to do what? Read it with me. Say it with me again, circled. Take back. Take back. What are you going to take back? When a lie gets planted in your head, there's a stronghold that begins to develop, and the adversary loves to reinforce that stronghold. And you and I as Christians, if we're going to experience the joy and the peace that God has in store for us, as we have to take back territory. Do you remember the children of Israel when they went into the promised land? There were seven enemies that were against the Israelites, and they had to actually go in. It was not just an easy cakewalk when they went in. They had to go in and fight some battles. And there's a promised land for your life as well, but the promised land is going to require you and I fighting some battles. We have to take back mental territory. And the only way to take back mental territory that the adversary has in your life is you have to do what the title of tonight's message is. You have to eliminate what? And eliminate the lies. They have to be addressed. You have to eliminate the lies. You have to, I'll say it this way, you need some truth medication. Okay? That's what you need. You need truth medication. You got to create some new thought patterns that are holier and healthier so that you begin to create the right kind of running board in your mind, the right, kind of, the right kind of ruts in your mind. And so you have to renew that part of your life. That's why the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. We read it before in this series. We're coming back to some of these passages because they're so important. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What are these strongholds? We're just about to learn because the Bible tells us. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The strongholds that are most prominent in our lives as Christians, keeping us from being all that God wants us to be, or certainly moving forward in our journey, have to do with the thoughts that we need to take captive. Captive. We need to recuperate, if you will. We need to take back territory in the mental dimension of life. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life. 
to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. And it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Hi, this is Pastor Dale O'Shills of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I want to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program titled Practical Living right here on WAVA every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I also would encourage you to join us for one of our weekend worship services. All the information about services and locations can be found at our website at church-redeemer.org. That's church-redeemer.org. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.